Hello and welcome to The Leaderverse, where we're having a different conversation around leadership with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradin, and me, Jesse Button. As a leader, you are challenged with changing the behavior of those you wish to lead. In other words, influencing them. And so today, oh y'all, today Coach Drew comes through in the clutch with the A-E-I-O-U's, and sometimes wise, of influence. Also, Lucas walks us through courage in conversations. So as requested, here are the nuts and bolts of influence. Welcome to the Leaderverse. Lucas, you got some really good feedback from some of the listeners of the Leaderverse on what it was that we could constructively just help them with immediately. And they were talking about influence. So tell us, you got the request, tell us what it was. Yeah. So a young leader reached out to me last night and just said, Hey, listen, I love your Facebook group. I love where you're going to go. I love this gritty, authentic conversation. Can you give me some nuts and bolts of how do I actually influence people? And I really kind of heard what she was saying because she was like, I think she was saying, how do I just get people to do what I tell them to do, which is a leadership conflict. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge. And so I was thinking about nuts and bolts on how do we effectively influence people? Because we know how to measure it. If we move human behavior, we actually influence somebody. And I was thinking in two, two veins, and we might have fun with one of them is like the not list is mm-hmm. like, how do you not influence people versus what's effective influence, right? I, I think you, the three of us were on a call yesterday where we watched a very high level leader influence a very large organization, a multi, uh, I think probably a multi-billion dollar organization. And the way he did that was showing up and being authentic. And he's a very private person with his personal life. And, mm-hmm. and I watched that. And I was thinking, what's the keys that we could take away? Because here's the thing. I could tell followers what to do. However, if I'm going to be a leader of leaders, telling is not an effective way because you don't tell leaders mm-hmm. what to do. No, so- we're talking about influence, not author- not authority. Yeah, if you're going to influence somebody, then the, you have to in, encourage them to want to do it on their own versus authority is you will do this or else. Very different things. You can lead with authority or you can lead with influence. Leading yeah, with a, influence is going to be life-changing. Yeah, I'm a student of church history. And a part of the church history was, hey, listen, you're going to convert to Christianity or there's the guillotine. Like, okay, I'm, I'm now going to convert. Unfortunately, while we don't use guillotines as, as a rule, I, I don't know about you, Drew, you might, but I, I don't think we typically do that. That's formal compliance. That's just getting people to behave on the outside. It's not buy-in. And so um, well, even in those scenarios, there were people that refused to buy in and said, no, I'd rather lose my head and see what my body looks like from another angle. <laughs> <laughs> so What's the first thing that comes to your mind when it comes to how not, how not to influence people? I I think in my mind, it's demanding somebody to do something that's not in line with their own personal mission, Hmm. which is what Jews refers to as authority. Use a position to get somebody just to behave. Yeah. It's the Mm -hmm. do as I say, not as I do, which you know, anyone who's ever been around that type of leadership style knows it's probably the most frustrating for both the leader and for the follower is, okay, so you want me to do something and then, and I can openly see you're not doing it. 
And kids, mm. kids are one of the best examples that will that will openly challenge authority that is directed that way or in that manner is, well, you don't have to. Why don't you have a bedtime? They'll openly question authority where they see an example being set that's also not being followed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's a place for that, but that's management. That's not leadership. And there, there's a place for management, and I don't disparage that. However, influencing people, if you have to tell me what to do, and I don't want to do it, but I'm just going to do it because you told me so, you're not leading me, you're controlling me. And that that's a, mm-hmm. that's not influence. I think in order to influence people, I, I posted on our, our, our group this morning, the first step in effective influence is emotional intelligence is being aware how how do I show up mm-hmm. and where am I scared? Where am I intimidated? I think that in order to really effectively influence people, I need to know me and grow in emotional intelligence. Because the opposite side of that is to be emotionally unaware of how you show up and how you trigger and what have you. So in the absence of, in the lack of awareness, I have to go to control. I have to manipulate. I have to tell half truths. I have to lie. Mm-hmm. I have to demand. I have to send out a memo. I have to, I have to lead by email because I don't have the courage to have conversations or lead by text, mm-hmm. right? And so, I, I think I need, in my mind, if I'm going to be effective in influence, I need to be a student of my own behavior. I need to be a student of my own emotional intelligence and constantly grow myself in that area. You touched on courage and conversations. Often we don't get past step one because we're just afraid of the conversation and what's going to happen in it and, and after it. And so talk to me about that. How do you have courage in conversations? <laughs> Jew could be my coach on this issue. Here, here's my, This is what I have to do. I have to stop creating hypothetical conversations in my head because one of my superpowers is I can see 10 to 20 problems with any given scenario in my head immediately. And and when that's a strength, I can overcome the issue before it rises. When that's a weakness, I can have a thousand conversations in my head, all of which are bad. And then I've talked myself out of having the conversation. So uh, we've said in our organization a lot, stay in curiosity and out of judgment. And what that means is, let me ask the question, what if instead of this is, and once I form an opinion about something, I kill off possibilities. And, and, and so, or the other way said is once I form a judgment, I kill off possibilities. So I need to learn how to stay in curiosity. And when something's happened, instead of saying, oh man, I need to confront Drew about this. And this is a problem and Drew's going to blow up and he's going to say this, and then he's going to hurt my feelings personally. And then he's probably going to threaten me. And then all of a sudden we have world war three taking place in my head and a conversation's never happened. <laughs> and this is what I tell myself, crank it into neutral. What if Drew was very open to the conversation? What if Drew's feeling the same thing I am? What if this turns out to be our best moment instead of a terrible moment. What if I play the what if game on the positive side instead of what Lucas tends to do is the what if game on the negative side. Mm, what if it all works out? Yeah. Yeah. What, what if this is the billion dollar conversation? What if this launches drew yes. into the next level of his own leadership? What if this becomes a history altering conversation? What if this becomes something that bonds us together and I have, by the way, the only person I have to fight on that is not Drew or the people I lead, it's Lucas. And what? that's where emotional intelligence for me shows up. And you're saying it in a very positive way, the what if question, usually what if is 
it, it tends to be a fear-based question and people don't allow themselves to say, okay, and if that happens, then what? When I think of influence as it pertains to leadership, you know, what is influence? Well, it's like you can't make a word without a vowel. Influence is about what's the A-E-I-O-U. And if you've been to school, obviously, sometimes why? Well, what is that for leadership? More importantly, what is that for influence? It's being authentic. So write these down, A-E-I-O-U. It's about authenticity. How do you show up? What do you value? What are your values? How do you live according to them? When values are clear, decisions are easy. When values are clear, standards are easy. Are you being authentic with doing what you believe? Gandhi said, happiness occurs when what you think, say, and do are in harmony. That's authenticity. E is for example. What's the example you set? I mean, nobody wants to walk into a gym and look at their personal trainer and say, yikes, I don't know if I want to work out with that person because they can't take care of themselves. You walk into a gym, you expect the most fit person to be your trainer, the one that you know sets an example of how they live and the way they show up is the way you want to show up. I is information. You want to influence other people. Are you seeking the information that will help them get better, that will help blaze the trail, that will help pathfind to lead them to a new destination? What information is lacking that if you had it, more people are likely to follow you or you'd be able to influence them more effectively? O for ownership. When you're a leader and you want to influence other people, we take responsibility for everything good, bad, and different in our world. That's the ownership piece. You for understanding. Do you understand or do you seek to understand before jumping to a conclusion or drawing a judgment? And the last is sometimes why, A-E-I-O-U and sometimes why, it all comes down to you. How do you show up? Who are you becoming that would allow or encourage other people to follow? That's the A-E-I-O-U of influence and sometimes why. Leave it to the coach to come up with something that I can remember. That's awesome. I've never heard that before. That's great. I was also thinking what, when you said that too, Drew, I think like in my leadership, one of the keys is to make sure I invite people into my world that want what I want as bad as I want it. Mm. Because leadership, I heard this quote one time, leadership is climbing a mountain in which you never summit. And so if I'm, and I've, I've done one 14 in my life and it was massively challenging. I can't imagine doing that 14 or with another person strapped to my back. And if you don't want the summit that I want, you don't want to climb the same mountain I want. If that's not what you want, awesome. Go do what you want. And let me surround myself with people that want what I want as bad as I want it. And yeah. then I'm already in alignment. Then it's just influencing them to get what they want. And when I influence them to get what they want, they call it leadership. I call it building an empire, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that. It's just like, how do I influence people? Well, here's the truth. I can't get anybody to do anything. There's an iconic, I mean, it's a, everyone has seen at some point in time, if they're over the age of five, has seen the movie, The Wizard of Oz. That is a phenomenal example of two things relating to leadership and influence. It's casting a vision and then finding people that want to go. Dorothy had her own needs and her own reason for going to Oz. 
And what does she do? She enlisted people on the journey who each individually had a reason. She cast a vision. Hey, maybe the wizard can help you too. You need a heart. You need a brain. You need courage. You should come with me. That's influence. She was authentic that she was lost and I need to find my way home. Maybe if you come with me, you can get what you want too. That's good. And over mm-hmm. time, what did they do? They built a team. They, they fought for one another. All the way through. That is such a powerful example of what leadership and influence means because she found a problem. She helped them individually with a situation. She cast a vision for how they can improve their own lives by following her to a destination. Follow the yellow road. The question that was asked, Lucas, was was like, how do I just get people to do what I want to do? Give me some nuts and bolts. How do I ethically get people to do what I want to do? Might be be a better question to answer is if there's one thing that you want to do to improve your influence today, I would read the book Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. Great book. In that book, Susan explains that the conversation is actually the relationship. Like if you think about it, what are we, Lucas, Drew, but the energy and the words that we exchange. And so if I'm, if I'm leading you and I want you to do better and, and be better and have everything that you want, and it's going to take me telling you something tough about yourself or maybe your behavior, that's actually the most loving thing that I can do. And the most caring thing that you can do for yourself and your relationship and therefore your influence and leadership. Yeah. If there's one book, go get Fierce Conversations with Susan Scott. I love that. And and I was mentored with this phrase is you run to trouble. And so Susan Scott's books helped me a lot because when you run to trouble, because I think it, it was always said bad, s- small, bad things become big, bad things without a conversation. And, and I tend to either avoid or I tend to trigger both of which are not leadership that because if I avoid, I make it about me. And if I trigger, I make it about me. If I could talk to somebody without frustration and anger and just say, what's going on here? What was our agreement? Are we in integrity with what we said we were going to do? If not, what are we going to do next? That there's no judgment in any of those questions. However, that is actually leadership. It's we said we were going to do X and we're not doing X. What do you think about that? And what steps are we going to take? you know, next. And I, I like that because I, I, I tend to, I don't, who likes conflict and yet conflict is the very essence of great leadership. And I was reading Colin O'Brady's book, uh, the 12 hour walk. And he, he talks about how life is about like having, you know, we all on the search to have level 10 experiences, think of the most euphoric, great experience. And for him, it was like climbing Mount Everest with his wife. It's a level 10 experience. Level 10 experiences only happen on the heels, generally speaking, of a level one experience of something awful, something hard, something that's arduous. Mm. Climbing Mount Everest was hard, arduous, lots of, uh, you know, possibilities of death, you know, those kind of things. I tend to live in the four, five, and sixes. Nothing really awful, nothing really great. It's comfortable. And I think that leadership is learning how that a potential one experience could be the front door to a level 10 experience. Mm. And then I'm having a real conversation that this is hard. It's it's the uh, since Drew is the movie guy, it's the Apollo 13 thing mm-hmm. where they're all in you know mission control and say this is going to be our worst moment. And and the director, the mission control director said, uh, I beg to differ, gentlemen. This is going to be our finest hour. That's that that actually was a leader's conversation. Is like 
hard leads to the most successful failure in American history, Apollo 13. They got people back, right? On the heels of a terrible experience. So I think like that book has helped me say, have a nice conflict, have a great conflict, have a productive conflict. And not all of leadership's conflict, but when there is one, have it. Um, and, and be authentic with who you are in that and come with curiosity. I would say the, the biggest key towards influence and you say, how do I get people to do what I want to do? Are you doing it yourself? You know, Susan, it wasn't Susan got, it was a um, Brene Brown really brought something that was written by Theodore Roosevelt and she made it, mm. she, she made it current, but he wrote, he wrote a, uh, a poem slash a speech many years ago called the man in the arena. And this is, you know, this is the human in the arena, but you got to ask yourself, am I in their arena or do I want to lead people who are actually in it? And it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of triumph of high achievement and who in the worst, if he fails at at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat Theodore Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself, if you want to influence other people, are you in the arena yourself? Yeah, I love that. Love that. She she goes on to say it gets fun when you are in the arena. Why you, when you're leading with good influence because you get to say things like, "Hey, if you are not also in the arena getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your opinion." <laughs> One of my favorites. <laughs> Amen. 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 We're all in the arena together. Or I don't want to hear your crap. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> 